Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Today we want to speak about the spirit of unity among believers, to be united, to be one, to have one mind, one focus, and our focus is on who? Our focus is on Jesus, amen? So um, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. Who did you say our focus is on? Jesus. On Christ Jesus, on Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that we found in Romans 15, verse 5 to 6. Let's read Romans 15, verse 5 to 6. Anybody wants to read Romans 15, verse 5 to 6? You? Okay, JB? Romans 15. Yeah, 15, verse 5 to 6. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As believers, we are called into one body. We are all different here that are sitting. But as believers, because we believe, we are called into one body. The body of Christ Jesus. So you might think that you are not part of the body because you said yes to Jesus. You are all called into one body. There's no other body. It's only the one body and it is the body of Jesus, of Christ Jesus. We are to strive for unity amongst ourselves and in all things. Unity is the state of being one or single of mind. Single of mind. We are able to be like-minded with Christ and renew our minds to the endurance and the encouragement of the scripture that the scripture offers us. We are able because we came up this morning to receive the word of God. Amen? Amen. So yeah, we can. We are like-minded this morning. We should make an effort to dwell in the spirit of unity between the believers. There should be no division or arguments amongst us. And I know with this time now, and the doctrine that has been teached now, there's, there's going to be some thinking this, and the other one is thinking that. But Paul says that we need to be united. Amen. Let's sit and have that patience recorded in, 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 in Galatians 5, that we have, we'll have that patience and that we listen to the word of God. And that we'll see how Jesus and the Holy Spirit ministers to us. We should live in mutual harmony, out of love for one another in accordance with Christ Jesus. Live in harmony, mutual harmony, in accordance with Christ Jesus. Amen? 
because our focus is nothing else. Our focus is on Christ Jesus, the solid rock. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesians, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life of worthy of the calling that you have received. Amen? Amen. Be completely humble. Not just halfway humble, but be completely humble. And I know it's, 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 it's sometimes difficult to be humble, but you know, if the word of God directs us and it tells us that we need to be completely humble, then we need to be humble and gentle. And we need to be patient also. Bearing with one another in recognizing this and, and, and in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. What is peace? <laughs> the balloon fell. In this particular place, said peace, you know, keep the bond of peace. It means like in everything we do, if we, even if we don't agree, we have to keep the peace, the bond of peace. Come on. And then we keep the unity. Yes. So we don't humble, meek, so we keep the spirit. Yes. Even if you're not in the full agreement. Amen. Or you don't understand it. Even if you don't understand. But just keep the peace. Keep the peace, keep unity amongst each other. There is one body and one spirit, just one body and one spirit as you were called to one hope when you were called. We all were called to one hope when we were called. Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 4, if you can write that, that night, that, um, write Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 4. And, then, and, 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 and I know sometimes you can agree that it takes effort sometimes to get along and be in agreement with other brothers and sisters in Christ. It's definitely a lesson in love. It takes humility, patience, and endurance, but we are to be eager to guard and keep this harmony and oneness into which we were called. We have to keep that. Unity and oneness in which we were called. Unity is produced by the Spirit of God. It has the power to bind us together. It has the power to bind us together in, in love and in peace. Amen? We were called to the one hope. And as such, we have more in common with each other than not. So we should... Recognize this and strive to live in mutuality in Christ Jesus. Strive, strive to live in mutuality in Christ Jesus. David says in Psalms, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. I mean, if David says it's good, it means it must be good. And how pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. And that is what, what makes us one. We sing together, we dance together, we worship Christ together, we live in harmony and unity with one another. And that we found in Psalms 133 verse 1. This is because there is power in the unified body of Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. When we dwell 
as one, when we worship God as one, there is so much power. The enemy has got no chance to live. We don't even want to mention him. Because it's done. It's a done deal. He has been dealt with. When we are in singleness of mind, then we are a force to be reckoned with. Don't you agree that to that? If we have singleness of mindset, we are forced to be reckoned with. Nobody can mess with us. When we, yeah, the opposite is also true. If there are fights and quarreling amongst us, then we keep ourselves out of service to the, to the real battles in life. Don't allow yourself to quarrel or to fight or to be in strife with one another. But let's keep the humility. Let's keep the peace of God, the patience, endurance, everything, meekness also. Look at what happened in the day of Pentecost. Who remember what happened in the day of Pentecost? The disciples, where were they? In the upper room. Amen? They were in the upper room. The Bible says the disciples were all together in one accord. They were in one accord. They were worshipping God. You know, sometimes we think we think we sing choruses because we want to sing. We sing sometimes because we want to let somebody hear my voice or we want to just sing because we sing. And then we tend to forget that we are worshipping God through our voices. Through worshipping, praising God, acknowledging Him. Um, the Bible says that this is, the disciples were together in one accord and suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind came down from heaven and filled the house where they were staying. The room where they were. A sound like a mighty rushing wind. Imagine something like that happened. I mean, you could see it in your, in your, in your spirit what, what, what happened that day. And filled the house where they were staying. The disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Because of the unity, if you keep yourself out of unity, you're missing what, what could have happened to you. You're missing out in speaking in tongues. And it's such a powerful weapon to use your tongue. It's so powerful to speak in tongues. You edify yourself also. You strengthen yourself. Edifies, it edifies the body when you speak in tongues. The disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. The sound drew a large crowd from the town. And they heard the disciples speaking to them, each in their own language. The crowd marveled as Peter addressed them with the good news of Christ. What is the good news? The gospel. The word of God, the gospel is the good news. And Peter was the one addressing the crowds at that stage. How many people came to know God? I mean, received their salvation? 3,000. 3, people were added to, the na to their numbers that day in Acts 2. That is what happened. Imagine. Myself and JB were talking about that we're going to get ourselves ready now. 
You might think that one Sunday we're just going to come in here and receive the word of God. No, we're going to go into the world and we're going to tell people about the Great Commission, about Jesus Christ, about the love of God, how much God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But we need to be prepared to go and tell the world. All of this happened because they were together in one accord or in unity among themselves. And the power of God was present and able to work amongst them. The power of God were present and were able to work amongst them. Consider what continued to happen. What continued to happen? As a result of that day, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know what happened? They received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to pray. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Amen? Amen. Imagine if that would happen with us. It could happen with us. We move as one force into this world and we preach the gospel to those that need it. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That one thing in common. Why? Because they were united. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as had need. Giving whatever they had to those that were in need. Don't you think that is love? Love and care and really, really, really looking after your brother and sister. They gave to anyone as they, they need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. It's like we are meeting every day. They did it every day. We're doing it once a week, maybe twice a week, and they did it every day. They continue to do that. Amen. They break bread in their homes and ate together with glad, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were saved. Daily. And that's written in Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. You can write Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. They continued in unity, oneness, and many wonderful things happened among them, and the kingdom grew. The kingdom of God grew as a result of that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <coughs> Amen. When we are in singleness of mind, and sometimes we sit here and we wonder, what does it mean to be singleness of mind? We will have our focus, our, our, our eyes fixed on Jesus, singleness of mind. Then the power of God is able to work amongst us. It can happen. This is not the time where we say it has happened with, with all the other prophets and with all the other people, you know, the early church. Paul said in today's passage that we bring glory and praise to God our Father in this way. When we get together like this, we bring glory and praise to God our Father. 
When we sing worship songs, we bring glory and honor to God. Amen. We praise God. Out of one heart and one mouth, we will glorify Him. Today still, not just then, but today. We do it out of one mouth and one heart. I pray that you make every effort to live in unity with other believers. Believers, Can we make it an effort? Because, you know, sometimes it really hurts me to see that there's some of our members not here. But they know where they are. But it, it's always nice to see one another. It's always nice to be in unity with one another. May the Spirit of God grant you the love and patience required to live in singleness of mind so that the power of God will be evident in your lives and through it bring glory to God. Everything that we do, in everything that we do, we bring glory to God. Amen. Amen. Make my joy complete. Make my joy, Jesus says, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Can we make the joy of God complete by being like-minded? Amen, we can. Having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish. Whenever we do, whatever we do, we don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Consider others better than yourself. And how do I consider others better than myself? When I see there's somebody in need amongst the brethren, somebody that needs food, somebody that needs clothes, somebody that needs love, somebody that needs whatever, pray. Then we reach out to that person in love. Prefer one another. Amen. Prefer one another. Amen. In the bond of peace. Amen. Prefer one another in the bond of peace. Amen. So that we 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 in Philippians two Philippians two verse one to four. You can just write that scripture reference down. And today I want to ask you: How does the church walk in unity? How does this church walk in unity? I think everything that I've said. brings us to that answer. In the passage, Paul calls for the church of Philippi um, to be unified, even though in many ways they were a model church. They were not a perfect church. They had many threats to their unity. In chapter 1, it is clear that they were being persecuted, the church, outside from their, their faith. Paul said that God had granted them to not only believe in Christ, but to suffer for him as well. Verse 29, if you read verse 29. Um, in chapter 3, we see that they were false teachers also. Teaching circumcision. In chapter 4, two women were fighting in the church, possibly causing it to divide into factions. Though a model church, the Philippians had many threats to their unity. The one danger which threatened the Philippian church was 
that of disunity, and that was the reason why all those things were happening in the church. There's a sense of which that is the danger of every healthy church. It is when people are really in earnest, when their beliefs really matter to them, that they are to get up against each other. And we don't see that amongst us. We don't fight with one another. I'm not sure. I'm not talking about you. The greater their enthusiasm, the greater the danger that they may collide. It is against the danger Paul wished to safeguard his friends. Paul didn't want that to happen in church. And we should not allow that to be in this church. Amen? Passions which are good things can often lead to discord. Paul calls for this church to make his joy complete by being like-minded, like we are. Amen. Having the same love. Do we have the same love? Absolutely. Being one in spirit, and we do, and purpose. Essentially, he called them to be unified, to be one. Amen? When we don't see somebody in church, <coughs> we miss that part, because that person is part of the body of Christ. Amen? Check on them. Sorry? We should check on them. God we see. should go check on them, yeah. Not just pray for them, but go, like Shane said one morning um, when we were praying for the woman that has lost her daughter, yeah. not just doing that, but check on them. Go and find out if everything is okay. Do they have something to eat? Do they have clothes, <coughs> shoes, whatever they need? Ne? We should reach out to one another. The Philippians' struggle with unity was not unique. There were problems with unity from the inception of the, the church in Acts 6, verse 1. Of the issues was cultural. The church was caring for Greek widows and Hebrew widows. But while this, distributing the food, the Greek widows were being left out. Amongst the Roman Christians, there were divisions over the preference, Romans 14. If you read Romans 14, some prefer to worship on Sunday and the others practice the Sabbath day. Some ate only vegetables and others ate everything. These differences created division. The Corinthian church was divided over the personalities and teaching gifts of the greatest teachers. Corinthians 1 verse 12 to 13. Similarly, each church today has potential of disunity over such things and ethic culture, church culture. Doctoral differences, personality differences, personal preferences. This unity is something the church must be aware of and wisely labor against. Shall we labor against this unity? This church do labor against Amen. this unity. Moreover, it must be noted that unity does not mean conformity. The world wants us, to be all, wants us all to be the same. Imagine if we all had the same clothes on today. Imagine. I would fit into Hope's clothes. I, you know. We should all have the same body type. Look at that. The same skin. The same education, 
the same type of clothes, etc. However, in the church and the world for that matter, God made everybody different with different roles. Isn't that so? I couldn't wear the same jersey as you, Anna, today. And these differences make the body of Christ beautiful, isn't it? There's differences between us. We all look different. I'm a little bit thinner than Anna. (laughs) But it's different. It's all the differences. The eye needs the hand and the hand needs the feet. We give honor to the hidden parts like there's hidden parts also. The heart and the liver. Unity does not mean that everybody is the same, but we, we have honor our differences and work together despite our differences. Isn't that so? All of us are different. All of us that are sitting here are different, but we honor that. And there are conflicts in your life with family peers, co-workers, church members. How can we learn to walk in unity, especially in the body of Christ, in the tip? text, we will consider several ways to maintain unity in the body of Christ. Now my question is to you this morning, how can the body of Christ, which is us, the members, walk in unity God called us according to Philippians 2? How? Yes. Romans 12, 2. Amen. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed by, by the, the renewing of, of your mind. mind. Amen. <coughs> be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world. Thank you, Philip. Be transformed by the renewing, renewing of our mind. To be united, Christians must focus on the right resources. The right resources, renew, let's renew our mind to the word of God. Amen. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. And that we find in Romans 2 verse 1. Some might be tempted to think that it is impossible to have unity. Do you also think it is impossible to have unity? I don't think it's impossible to have unity. Quova? They might declare we are too different. We have different backgrounds, different styles of worship, and we enjoy different things. We also express ourselves differently. How in the world can we be unified? And it was on, 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 on Thursday night in our Bible study when Stephen gave his comment about it doesn't mean if he raises, if he doesn't raise his hand, he's not um, worshiping God. Every one of us worship in a different way sometimes, but we all worship the same God, the one God. Amen. Amen. Paul seems to be answering this question as he reminds the church or the resources they have for unity. He described for four resources which are both. communalities of each Christian and empowerments for unity. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, Philippians 2 verse 1. Who can complete that sentence? 
We need to be united. This really is not a question, but a confirmation. The if could be translated since. If you have any encouragement, since you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Since any comfort from His love. Since any fellowship with the Spirit. Since any tenderness and compassion. Since you have encouragement from being united with Christ. Since you have comfort from His love. And since you have fellowship with the Spirit. And so on. Amen. I think we're not going to conclude there. There's still enough time. We can continue until 3 o'clock. Yeah. Is that fine with you? I'll take after you. You'll take after me. Good. Thank you, Philip. <laughs> okay. Yes, you may. It says, Philippians 2, okay. If therefore be any consolation in Christ, Amen. If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that be like minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better, better than yourself. Amen. And that is concluding the sentence that I was reading. Thank you, Philip. That's awesome. So we are called to unity, not to be, not just to be together. No one was ever called to walk with Christ's life alone. No one. Every member of the body is responsible to maintain the unity. Not me alone. Not you or JB or, or Philip or Cynthia alone. Every one of us. We maintain unity by individually and collectively keeping our focus on who? On Jesus. Each and every one of us. That's, that's why the Word of God says we need to meditate on God's Word day and night. Study the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved. Amen? Amen. So. so 100 worshippers meeting together. Just let's get to that. 100 worshippers. Meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be. Were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God, to strive for closer fellowship. Shall I read that one again? Okay. So 100 worshippers meeting together, 100 worshippers, each one looking away to Christ, away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be, were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Do you understand that? Not yet. Think about it. If we all are individually looking to Jesus for our thoughts, think about that. Our words, our actions, we would have peace and harmony with one another. Amen. Isn't that true? Amen. We need to look to? Jesus. to Jesus. But what happens when one or more takes their eyes off Jesus? 
breaks the spirit. Come on. Breaks the, the chain of command. The chain, the, the chain is very weak. Okay. Yeah. The weakest point of a chain is one link. Could be, you know. If one person takes their eyes off Jesus. Petty, petty squabbles happen. Then it becomes us versus them. Paul was dealing with a church full of Jews and Gentiles, two groups that in that time and culture never mixed. Our passage today deals with unity in the body of Christ. And that unity is there today. It is here today. Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 6 in the New King James Version. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. What does Paul says? He beseech us to, work, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Number two, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, Bearing with one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit. One body and one Spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and, and in you all. One God is in all of us that are sitting here. Amen. Philip doesn't have this, the, a different God than I have. I would have picked it up already. We all are worshipping and serving the same God. Amen. John 13, verse 35 in the New King, King James Version. By this all will know that you are my disciples, not mine. If you have love for one another. Almal salveer that yele made disciples as Jesus' disciples. You, they will know that you are God's disciples. This is not the first time. That we've heard this verse. Is it the first time? It's not the first time. And it won't be the last that you hear it. We must continually remind ourselves of this fact. As the local body of Christ, we have great responsibility to our church and to the community around us. This unity will destroy that witness and mar the very Imagine of Jesus we share. If we are not in unity, can somebody please close the door? Thank you. No, it's videos that they are selling, CDs. But unity is not a simple matter of simply loving one another. Many people today attempt to unite Christians in a way that is not biblical. For example, they will say, we are not interested in doctrines. And I had, a, I had while I was busy um, 
studying the word. Jesus was, remember the, the when Jesus was feeding the 5,000? Yeah. Remember there what happened? Only how many loaves? Five loaves and two fish. And Jesus was feeding 5,000. He divided them all in groups. And remember how much food was still left over from those loaves of bread and fish. And immediately after that, Jesus sent these disciples on the sea. Who remembers that? Jesus sent his disciples on the sea, and what happened? There was a storm. There was a storm on the sea. And then all of a sudden, while the storm was, and they were all afraid, and maybe they were looking for Jesus, but somebody saw somebody from afar coming, walking on the, on the water, on the sea. Can anybody of you walk on the water? If we have faith, we can. If you have faith, you can walk on the water. Because this is what Peter said to Jesus. He asked Jesus if he can also come. And Jesus said, come. And Peter had his eyes fixed on Jesus and he started to walk on the water. It was like flat, like this. Walking on the water. Imagine having such faith to walk on the water. But he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. At the moment, he started to look down. What happened? He sank. He sink. Sunk. Why did he sink? He took his eyes off Jesus. Now we are being taught the doctrines now. And we've got our eyes fixed on Jesus. I would like to urge you to have a little bit of patience and just go through the Bible studies. Go through the doctrines. And have your eyes fixed on Jesus, on nothing else. Just on Jesus. Because the moment you take your eyes off, then there's going to be disunity. And we don't want disunity. We want unity in the church. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen. Amen. Chapter 4 of Ephesians is the turning point in the epistle. The first three chapters, Paul laid down the foundation. The first three chapters, Paul laid down a foundation. Paul laid down the foundation, the doctrine of salvation. How we related to God and to each other. Now Paul turns to the practical, how this works out in everyday life. Remember Paul is dealing with Jews and Gentiles who did not culturally mix. Ephesians 4 verse 1 in the New King James Version. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walk worthy of the calling of which you were called. Numerous places in the letters of Paul, in his prison epistles, he refers to himself as a prisoner of the Lord. He refers to himself as a prisoner of the Lord. In chapter 3, 
Verse 1, he said he was a prisoner of Christ Jesus for you, Gentiles. But you are not Gentiles anymore. Paul was in prison in Rome because of his desire to serve Christ, regardless of the cost. Paul gave up his freedom to follow Jesus and he expected others to do the same. Do you know what happened when we give up our freedom? There's so much more happening in our life and sometimes we do not even expect that. But it does happen. Yeah. What happened when you, when, you, when you know that you've got a time to spend with your family tonight? You were tired, you're working every day and there's no time that you even want to or can spend with your family because there's so much that you do. But just try and give up that one evening. Because your family is there always most day and night. And whenever you get back from Bible study, you'll get to the family. But sometimes when you get there, they're fast asleep. And you so much wanted to say goodnight. And you so much wanted to pray with your children before they go to bed. But we, we must think about the fact that if you offer up one night, just one night, you're not doing it. Won't, it won't do any harm to your family. Just offer that time up to sit and listen to the Word of God. And maybe share with somebody that needs to hear the Word of God. When I ministered to this girl that almost committed suicide, I asked her, do you know that Jesus loves you? Sophia knows her. And Anna. Do you know that Jesus loves you? She said, I don't know that. Imagine how many people are walking past you and me every day and they don't know about the love of God. They don't know John 3 verse 16, but we know it. What do we do with it? We know it. We keep it for ourselves. We don't go even and tell somebody, for God so loved the world that he gave. Only that one scripture. He gave his only because he gave. Take your life and give it to somebody. Present Jesus Christ to that person that really, really, really needs it. Because sometimes we sit, we receive the word of God, and what do we do? We go home, we eat, we relax, and we don't do anything with that, with the word of God. And we really need these people that really needs. I was speaking to Javon. I've invited him that morning and he came and he was sitting there right next to Philip. And then the next morning when I came to, to the play school here, yeah, I saw him sitting next to the, to the that power box outside. And I said, Javon, did you think about giving Jesus a chance in your life? Do you accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Javon said, I'm not ready to do that. I asked him, Javon, when will you be ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I'm there's too much things that I'm still doing wrong. So you know what? You can come just as you is. With every flaw, everything that you are going through in your life, come just as you is. And he said he still needs time. Do you know what? 
I'm not sure if Giovanni is going to ever get a chance to receive Jesus Christ, but God knows that. But the, the wonderful thing that we can do as a family is to reach out to those people outside that need that needs Jesus Christ. And just tell them that God loves them. It doesn't matter what they have in their heart and in their mind and what they still want to do outside the kingdom of God. We just come and we present Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. And then sometimes I just feel that we need to pray for that person. And, and I did. I just prayed for him. And the moment I asked him to pray after me, he kept quiet. And you will get some people, but as long as you reach out to them and you minister Christ to them, it is so important that everybody knows that Jesus loves them. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we've also heard the scripture that says, By this all men shall know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Not just for us here, but even for them outside. It doesn't matter who it is that we go in humility and in love to that person. Amen? Amen. Paul was in prison in Rome because of his desire to serve Christ regardless of the cost. Paul gave up his freedom to follow Jesus and expected others to do the same. What do we do? We give up one day. We give up one day. Give up your freedom and minister to people. Tell them about the love that Jesus Christ has got for them. Amen. Um, John 3 verse 23. This is God's command to believe in the name of His Son. Jesus Christ. And I believe all of you that are sitting here believe in the Son, Jesus Christ. Believes in Jesus Christ. And to love one another. If you love one another, that itself is a, is a salvation sermon. If you speak to somebody about the love of Christ. That in itself is a salvation sermon. Because people just need to know that you love them. You know what, when I gave the, the girl that wanted to commit suicide on Tuesday night, just before my meeting, when I gave her a hug, it was almost like she has never had a hug in her life before. And you know, with the COVID now, you're not allowed to give hugs. At that moment, I just felt I should give her a hug so that she can feel the warmth of Jesus Christ that is living on the inside of me. And she accepted Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. And she was happy, she was, she was in tears. I said to her, you know what, what would have happened if you didn't receive Jesus Christ and something like that happened to you? And I've invited her to come here this morning and I don't see her. But as long as she has received Jesus Christ as Lord and as a Savior, I can just say thank you, Father, for what you have done in her life. 
The first point, believing on Christ, describes the proper response to the gospel message. Believing. She believed. She received and she believed. She opened her mouth and she received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. She confessed with her mouth. Mouth confession and heart belief. That is important. When somebody confesses with your mouth and, we, and you believe with your heart, what do you believe with your heart? God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And so we are raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places. All of us that are sitting here. You think you sit on that black chair? You are sitting with Christ in heavenly places. All of us. A simple childlike believing Christ saves us from the penalty of our sin. Amen? Nothing else is required. God's will for His Son was to become our Savior. God's will for Jesus Christ is to become our Savior. Amen? God's will for us is to believe in in, uh, in Him as Savior. The gospel message is expressed as a command because Jesus deserves to be exalted and obeyed by all mankind. We need to obey Jesus. We, all of us that are sitting here, need to obey and exalt Him. That's why we decided this morning, even if our voices was not that good, we are going to praise God with our voices. And then I was singing an Afrikaans um, chorus, and you could hear Philip and Rita sing beautifully next to me. You hear the word in a um, and he fulfilled his father's will perfectly on the cross, paid the penalty for the sin. Then, he then proved his power over death by resurrection. We all were dead in our sin and miseries. But today we are alive, we are resurrected. For His obedience and work of salvation, God the Father has exalted Jesus Christ and has given Him a name that is, which is above all names. There's no other name. Sorry. And that we found in Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11. The second point to that is, loving others is not a requirement for salvation. Is it true? Yes. Yes? Loving others is not a requirement of salvation. Who agrees with me? Amen. Who else has got something else? Believe it's It is a requirement for salvation, but rather the result of salvation. Yeah, that's not a requirement. Yeah. It's a result. That's it's a result. Yes. It's a result, it's two different things here. It's a result of salvation. Loving others is not a requirement for salvation, but 
rather the result of salvation. God's love is in where? In our hearts. And we extend it to others. God loves us so much that He gave His Son. God loves us so much that He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior. And that we found in? Johannes 3, verse 16. This kind of overwhelming love is within every child of God. Imagine, did you ever look at yourself and see how much love do you have inside of you? Not your love. Because our loves fail sometimes. But the love of God is inside of each and every one of us that are sitting here. God's love for others is part of the new nature that the Holy Spirit puts within us when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we found in Galatians 5 verse 22. What do we find there? The fruit of the Spirit. Jesus himself taught that love for others is the, is the identifying mark of a believer. John 13 verse 35. Don't believe anything that adds to God's plan of salvation. The gospel message is to believe in Christ and to love others. Believe in Christ and love others. Remember there's a song they say, A new commandment I give unto you. Who remembers that one? That you love one another. As I have loved you. Yeah. That, you remember we used to sing that in the, in the Methodist church. To love others. But it's relevant. It's true. That's the commandment that Jesus wants us to. We have to love one another. The gospel message is to believe in Christ and to love others. Response and the results, it's as simple as that. Yeah, this also says that uh, that's more than what love is because he first loved us. Amen. God first loves us. And and do you remember when I used to give my testimony here also that I didn't know love. I didn't know it at all before. I received Jesus Christ. I started to know what it is to love. Imagine if I didn't know it. How many people outside there doesn't know what love is? If you look at Christ, you see love. Overwhelming love. Compassion for the lost. He has a heart like it's indescribable. Do I still have time for that? Oh, plenty of time. Plenty of time. Yeah, I think we can go. Continue. And as we are sitting here, all of us are the body of Christ. We one body, one with Christ. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, 
then, then, the answers make my joy complete. And that is what Philip was reading. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. I must look at you, Anna, and I see yourself better than me. Because I love you. I see you hit up better than me. And this is how God wants us to see one another. Consider others. Consider. Consider others better than yourself. Amen. Amen. Having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. The same love. Consider ya. Thank you, Philip. Consider one another. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. So, each of you, of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. What does that mean? We did talk about that. If others are in need, of something to eat today and there's no food on the table, we can invite somebody to our tables. And we share that. And how can this church, like I said, how can the church walk in unity? We did talk about that. Let us just have the same love. Let us be united in Christ and have our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And as we do that, there will be no strife or anything that happens amongst the children of God. Amen? Amen. Let us love one another. Hold fast onto the love of God. Hold on to that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's renew our mind daily to the Word of God. Amen? So that we can Know what is the acceptable will of the Father for your life and for my life so that we remain and stay united. Let's close our eyes. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.